We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is getting some much-needed rest on his first day back from just a crazy road trip. Since we recorded last, Anthony Davis got hurt, and that's the big news over the course of this week. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks with a knee injury. Thankfully, it was not something worse than it was. Several other Lakers went into uh, health and safety protocols. A couple of them went in and out. Russell Westbrook had an adventure on Friday night, uh, and Malik Monk was thought he was back and then is not back. And so now, before we get into the like Lakers and you know the whole. The whole topic of the pod in general, I think that something before that needs to be addressed, which is that the NBA is not a functional sports league right now. And that talking about it in a a way that like analyzes the Lakers or analyzes the league, like we have a perspective matchup on Christmas, really the marquee day of the at least early NBA uh, television schedule against a Lakers team and a Brooklyn team that may just really be, you know, a shell of what they are supposed to be. So I have a hard time like getting too worked up about anything. I think there are some things that can be learned. There's always, even in in moments like these and circumstances like these, there's always progress to be made and things to be learned. But before addressing that, you know, we are without our second and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and ninth and tenth and twelfth best players, you know, yeah. that and we're not alone in this in this boat, D. And and just the NBA right now is not. It's not a functional sports league, and I think that needs to be you know, addressed before we talk about anything. I think Frank Vogel used the word craziness a few times, or maybe chaos. David Fisdale, who coached last night, right, as the Lakers head coach, described it as the Hunger Games. Yes. Right, in terms of availability right now. No, I was making a similar joke with Harrison before on Twitter. I was basically talking about, like, if you made teams between all of the players in the protocols— 
versus the players who are not in the protocols, the team in the protocols has a very good chance of winning. And that was before like KD went in. And so you were talking about that potential matchup with the Nets. KD, Kyrie and James Harden are all in COVID protocols right now. Your big three is on the sidelines, not because they have ankle sprains or because one of them sprained their knee like Anthony Davis. Right. But because they have seemingly tested positive or have an inconclusive test that have put them in jeopardy for being able to play for until they can return two negative tests. And for Kyrie, not only two consecutive negative tests, five consecutive days of negative testing since he is unvaccinated and his special circumstances as playing for the Nets and being a resident of New York. So. The league itself, there's a bunch of stars that are in the protocols. There's a bunch of role players that are in the protocols, right? Like I had said this online, but just in zeroing back into to the Lakers, the Lakers started the season with 14 players. They then had to sign Avery Bradley because they had all of their wings were hurt, right? THT's got a messed up thumb and and none is hurt and Ariza's hurt. And then th- there's just too many guys who are out. Of those 15 guys, there were like seven of those dudes available when the Lakers played on Sunday. Isaiah Thomas played important. He started. If you would have told me four days ago that Isaiah Thomas was going to start and play important minutes for the Lakers against the Chicago Bulls, I would have been like, wow. I mean, it's on brand for this season. But like, you know know what I'm saying? Yes. This is it, it speaks to how crazy these circumstances are. So the league, I don't want to say the league is in shambles. It's not necessarily in shambles, but it is very much a, we did a pod. I think the last pod that we recorded was called Skeleton Crew, Mm -hmm. right? And that idea is replicated across a half a dozen to eight to 10 teams across the entire league. The Lakers played the Bulls on Sunday. The Bulls had not played a game in a week. They hadn't played a game in a week because they had too many guys out in the COVID protocols for them to field a functional team. That is a situation the league is trying to avoid. So they are putting in new rules to say, sign as many players, like as many players as you have in the COVID protocols, you can sign a replacement for that specific player because the league wants the games to go on. The show must go on. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when there were like, this might've been the late eighties, Remember the MLB strike? Oh, yeah. And replacement players. And this like, happened in the NFL, too. It happened and in the just NFL, like dudes too. off the street wearing like a 49er uniform. Yes. Or, yeah. Yep. Right? That's what this feels like a little bit to me. Yeah, great comparison. It's, okay, well, you played in the minor leagues. You're on our G League team. You're in AAA. Let's call you up. Come on. And obviously, the strike stuff, it was like scabs and you're crossing the picket line and and all of that. So there was an extra layer to that. But this is what that feels like in terms of the, yeah, so the NBA has roughly 450 players. There's 15 roster spots and then there's 30 teams. You add in the two-way guys and so that's another 60 guys, right? And so roughly around, there's a pool of around 500 players or so that are eligible to be in the NBA. That pool's expanding by 25, 30, 40, 50 players because that's how many guys are in the protocols right now. And that idea of digging into the talent pool like like that and not just to be end of the 
bench guys potentially, but guys who could see minutes. Isaiah Thomas, just like you said, he played 32 minutes against the Bulls on Sunday. He's on a 10-day contract with the Lakers, and that would have been unfathomable back in training camp. Like, if you were to tell me, hey, Isaiah Thomas is going to play for the Lakers this year, you might as well have been talking about bad boys Isaiah Thomas to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because there, there were that, reports the- reali- that would have been as realistic to me. Well, it's funny because there were reports that we were uh, close to signing him over the course of the offseason. But then it's been interesting watching him fit into these crazy circumstances. I thought last night's game was was especially interesting. Like, we played pretty well in some respects. But we also, I don't know, like it was a more competitive game than I expected it to be. And we lost that game a lot because of self-inflicted. Like we shot free throws like crap. We threw the ball all over the gym, which is going to happen when it's like, oh, hey, this group of five guys has never played a basketball game before. Like there, there's some degree of I can't bring myself to have the level of frustration and, and animosity that I've seen from folks. Like I understand it's been such a frustrating season, but – Really, these dudes are just playing ball with each other for the first time. But in some ways, it I thought it reflected our kind of natural state and like the natural way that we have to play and and build off of. So, but with with it in particular, like we'd signed other guys like Malik Monk. I think it speaks to uh, the chemistry that Monk had right away uh, is very similar to what we're seeing from it. And I think that that's probably what we'll see from Kendrick Nunn as well. Is that that smaller just guy that can get his own bucket that can pull up in transition uh that talk to me about what we've seen from it under these you know crazy circumstances so far i just think that he's so i'm going to make a funny comparison here a few years ago i went and saw bobby brown in concert and i saw um tony 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 nice and so Tony, Tony, Tony was great. Raphael Sadiq was not there because he's no longer part of Tony, Tony, Tony. He's Raphael Sadiq. He went solo like Beyonce did from Destiny's Child, right? And so Tony, 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 they do their thing. It's it's great, right? All these classic songs. That's like my era, R&B, we're in it. Bobby Brown comes on. Bobby Brown is super washed. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. He's just washed. But yeah. he is washed in the best way possible. Because he still got it in a way. And I compared watching Bobby Brown to this is another thing I'm going to call back from our childhoods, Pete. Like back in the day, they used to have old timers games. They had them for MLB. They even had them for NBA. Right. They did. And so you might see like a 47 year old Rick Barry playing in a basketball game and he is slower than what he used to be and he doesn't quite have all of the burst or whatever he's old he's 46 years old but the jumper still looks smooth and he still got that feel so it's like oh look at the little no look and oh sweet bounce pass right oh great throw ahead and that's how bobby brown was to me he still had the moves and he still had the presence of a guy who literally was at the top of the top when you were talking about dudes in that world, right? He was Bobby freaking Brown. He snagged Whitney Houston. He was a legend. He was a legend. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm looking at IT and I'm just like, oh, you're not the same dude from 2015 and 16, right? You're you're not the all-star dude who was fifth on dude's MVP ballots. Like, you're not that guy anymore. But all of the feel, 
all of the like, he still got the moxie. He still got the confidence. He still got that sense of being like, I know what I'm doing out there. Like he's made some reads on some pick and roll plays where I'm just like, the only dudes who are on the team who make those reads are like Russ and LeBron. So there's a certain caliber of understanding of ball handler shot creation stuff that IT has and watching him play in these different zones of the floor than any other Laker that the team has had this season has been super fun and and interesting. And it's been a joy to watch this dude sort of resemble the dude that he was because and he showed us a little bit of that in his last stint too when he was with the Lakers a few seasons ago but not to this extent he looks healthier he looks like he has more pop and he just looks more comfortable and he's doing some other stuff on defense even like he's making rotations he's out there trying and I've appreciated the effort that he's played with this is his chance right he's been dying for this for a minute and he's just one of those guys that a lot of people in the basketball world really root for and under I wish it were under better circumstances, Me especially too. for us and for the the NBA. But to see Isaiah Thomas get his chance to I like I don't know if he's got a long term future with the Lakers or if it's just going to be this uh, this 10 days. But if it is just a 10 day tryout, like him getting the opportunity to show that he's still got it and, and still got those moves that you're talking about is is really cool. Let's take a break. The big news of the weekend again was Anthony Davis, uh, his injury. We're going to come back and talk about the impact of that. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So AD is going to be reevaluated in four weeks, which I think a lot of times as fans, we can conflate with being out for four weeks. And it probably doesn't mean he's out for four weeks. I'm you know, hoping that by February 1st or so, that's my uh, internal, not a doctor, have no information. Just target is February 1st, I think is around the time that uh, we can hope, hope to see him again. And so that puts us at a good six weeks, D, without Anthony Davis. And before the season, I thought that he was the most indispensable 
player on the roster in terms of like, if this guy goes down, we are in deep, deep trouble. And I still believe that to an extent, but not as much as I did over the course of the offseason. We played pretty well in his absence. We're three and one with one of those, that one loss being against the Bulls in a game where overall we, you know, we competed, the team looked good. But my big concern about this roster uh, this season has been the fives, the like DeAndre Jordan was bad last night and he's been bad for much of the season. And with Dwight Howard in, in protocols and even when Dwight comes back, like we're fairly limited at that five spot. So is losing AD catastrophic? Can we keep our, our heads above water? And what does that look like? Is it catastrophic? Yes and no. The ask on LeBron. So I'm going to channel Mike here a little bit because mm -hmm. we were talking about this. This was maybe a week ago, like in our text thread. So you'd have to scroll probably a thousand messages with how often we actually text each other. But Mike had said something like, LeBron is still that dude. Yes, sir. And the thing that I've been noticing whenever AD is out is LeBron morphs into this big man whenever he needs to, basically. And he starts to protect the basket and make rotations. And he starts to scram guys out of post mismatches, right? When the Lakers have to switch. And he is just basically screening all of the damn time, like screening and screening and screening and screening. And it's just like, oh my goodness, this dude is setting ball screens. He's setting ball screens for Isaiah Thomas. He's setting ball screens for Russell Westbrook. He's setting ball screens for Austin Reeves. Whoever has the ball, he'll go up and set a ball screen. So the ask on LeBron goes up and up and up and up and up. And the things that he needs to do are going to be more and more and more and more taxing on him. So is it catastrophic? Yes. If it ends up being that you're asking LeBron to play like this for 36 or 38 minutes a night that you're asking. Let, let me ask you this. What is it about? this that's taxing on LeBron. I actually want to have wanted to have this uh, conversation and I'd love to have it with Mike in particular, but we made such a, a shift with the roster this year, right? Like the, the supporting guys around LeBron and AD are really the exact opposite in a lot of ways of what they'd been the previous couple of years. And we haven't talked a lot about like, why, why would you do that? And I think that part of that is you, you know what I think's taxing on LeBron is a completely collapsed paint where you have to throw the ball to him on the way. And it's like, LeBron, go break down this defense of five guys and where you've got this guy digging down and this guy zoning up on you, uh, you know, on the weak side and, and just creating this because they're not afraid of the shooting and the offensive potential of the players on the perimeter. We're going to completely pack the paint and sell out in this direction. And you've got to break down that defense at in your 19th season or 18th season last year. I would argue that's really taxing on LeBron. And to me, when I've, when we've played small and when AD has been out and these smaller lineups, that's the liveliest I've seen LeBron. He certainly looks like he enjoys it, that he there and that it brings out a certain just a you know a, a certain spirit where I think him being able to get a running start and plant his foot in the ground is a five on the weak side and swat a shot out of bounds. I think he digs that. And I think in some ways it's easier. So I, I just want to put it out there. I don't think your point is is totally off base by any means, but that maybe it's not as maybe other things are taxing too. And maybe yes. this isn't as taxing. So where I would argue, so I think the point that you make is a very, very good one. And 
the ways in which it's taxing to me are that the reliance on you to be on the backboards every single possession is yeah. more taxing. Boxing out a bigger player or having a bigger player climb up your back multiple possessions in a row, that is more taxing. Running from rim to rim as an offensive and defensive player versus three-point line to three-point line on some possessions that you get to do when you're mostly a perimeter player, that is more taxing. Running from rim to rim and then coming up to the three-point line to set a screen and then having a dude run into you and then rolling and then not getting the ball. And then now you're underneath the basket and then your team misses a three and now you've got to run back. And then now you've got to be on the backboards again. And here's another seven foot dude who's leaning on you again. It's like, that is more taxing. There's stuff like that that doesn't show up in the box score. I think LeBron does love the stuff that you're saying. I think he does love making the highlight block. I think he does love putting his foot in the ground and freaking smashing on a big dude or beating a smaller player off of the dribble when there's no big guys underneath the basket to contest Just putting him in the sidecar. Right? Yep. I think he loves all of that stuff. I think he liked backing down Alex Caruso when Lonzo Ball and being like, oh, you're only 210 pounds. You're not the normal six foot eight. 250 pound dude that I have to go up against, right? So I think that there are definitely ways where playing smaller is easier for him. And I definitely think that there are ways where it's more taxing on on him too. And the how in balance that equation is, I think is going to vary from night to night, right? And there are nights like against the Pacers where I thought, oh, there's no one really stressing LeBron in this specific group, right? Like, oh, he's got DeMontis Sabonis. Well, that dude's his size, right? And and they have no other wings that are even like pestering him. The pace of the game is what he wants. LeBron is controlling everything here. And then against the Bulls, I thought all of the circumstances contributed to this too. So I don't want to make it seem like it was just the Bulls, but it's just like by the end of the game, he couldn't even really lock in to defend DeRozan at a level that I think he wanted to himself. Like his mind was there, yeah. but his body was not for him. And I think that was because he had, he had the lift that he had to carry the whole game that, that he had. And that's where I think missing AD matters because you give LeBron AD for AD's normal 30 minute load. Then there's going to be so much more in reserve for LeBron. But even, even in that game, Pete, against the Bulls, I thought, man, if like they just had a big who could do more of this stuff for longer. Yeah. Right? And DeAndre couldn't. He couldn't. So I really think we need to lean into those small LeBron at the five lineups. In that second half in particular, because DeAndre couldn't, we have uh, we've been circling the shores of No Big Island, uh, which I've been talking about for the last couple of months. Um, that And a key figure in that is Trevor Ariza. Of all of the guys who went out this weekend, Trevor Ariza was the guy who returned. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about Ariza in context of what we do without AD. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In watching both the Minnesota game, where we just gave a poor effort for most of that game, and then at the beginning of that third quarter, we really brought it. I thought we were going to win that game at, at the beginning of that. And then AD went down, and you could see that that sucked the life out of the team, and it, the game was over as soon as AD went down. But then also the end of the Bulls game, one of the big problems in that game was we couldn't get a rebound. We couldn't secure a defensive rebound. There are three or four different reasons for that, I believe. But the fact that we cannot do that is one of the big weaknesses, especially of these uh, smaller lineups, that this is something that you have to account for in order to play well as a as an undersized group. And so the scouting report against us is go to the glass in part because guys aren't going to box out or guys aren't going to jump for the ball. You're going to catch, like, sometimes they'll do it, but you're going to catch, and I, I'm not just talking about DeAndre Jordan, but also Russell Westbrook. LeBron James does this too all the time, especially in that game against Minnesota. LeBron was really, really bad on the boards in that game. You you tweeted that. You pointed that out. Um, when that happens, you're going to get a free run at a few layups and cheap buckets every game. But coming down the stretch when everybody's still competing, I think that Ariza's return is significant. And we saw saw it a little bit in in this game. Um, But in playing small, not having to rely on Carmelo Anthony at the fourth spot, defensively in particular, I think is really important. So anyhow, that was a a long-winded way and, and roundabout way of saying that I think Ariza is a significant figure in being able to help address some of the rebounding issues that we have. Uh, it's certainly, there are other things that we need to, to get to, but just Ariza's game in general, talk to me about what he adds to the table and what you saw last night. So first of all, let me ask you this. I think I know your answer, but I liked his first shift better than his second shift. Is that where you were too? Yes. All right. Because I thought in his first shift, he showed a little bit more liveliness in his legs. He was quicker to get to spots on the floor. I thought that he did a good job of, and this is classic role player stuff. And this is where I think Ariza really is going to help is he's a dude who knows where to be. And he's a guy who knows himself as a player. So he knows what his strengths are. He knows what his weaknesses are. And in terms of his strengths, he knows how to leverage those. So I thought he was very good at like using his hands to sort of disrupt guys' dribbles. And he was smart. And he was good at like showing high and Mm -hmm. just being, using his physical tools to be an obstruction to guys defensively. There was a play uh, in his first shift, I believe, where 
DeRozan was running a ball screen and it was Rondo and DJ in the pick and roll. And this is, again, when I go to, we always have to go back to the available players. When it comes to players I'd want to target if I were in opposition running a pick and roll, like a Rondo DJ pick and roll would be pretty high up on on that list in terms of uh, plays where I felt that my, my team had the advantage. So it's DeRozan running the ball screen and DJ shows a little high and, and kind of reaches in and DeRozan splits them. And Ariza is normally not supposed to help off of the guy that he's supposed to help off of there, but he read the play and decided, oh, well, now that DeRozan split them, it would have been an uncontested layup had he not rotated over. But DeRozan, after splitting that, he, you know, had his speed dribble, his power dribble ahead. And so his weight was kind of leaning forward. And so he would have made that layup if it were uncontested, if Ariza weren't there. But the fact that Ariza recognized that, like, I'm not supposed to do this normally, but under these circumstances, after the split, like I see the split, I recognize it, I rotate over, and I've got enough length to bother the shot. It was one of the few, like, really poor offensive plays from DeRozan on the night, in part because of exactly what you're saying, of like knowing where to be, having the length, and having just kind of know-how. He just knows how to be a functional NBA rotation player. And that bears out in every place that he's been. And it's one of the reasons why he's ended up being basically a trusted rotation player. Yeah, he plays a lot of minutes. He People does. would be surprised. He plays like high 20s in minutes pretty much every stop that that he's at. And it doesn't matter. He ends up being someone who is relied upon and is looked on and is looked at as trustworthy. And man... If I were to tell you, hey, man, the Lakers are going to get someone back in the rotation who they can trust to do the right thing on both ends of the floor, you might as well have just like, like a Merry Christmas. Yeah, man. Right. It, and, it, he felt like an oasis, right? In terms of just doing the right thing and being in the right place. It, it felt like it was, it was really nice to have that type of player there. So that was the first shift. <laughs> yeah. Now, the second shift, I thought he was not as good. And he got isolated on DeRozan a couple of times and DeRozan was just like, oh, yeah, OK, well, I'm cooking now. And and yeah. so you're just another hurdle for me to clear right now. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to, I think, a weakness on the roster, too, because yeah. DeRozan cooked THT in the last game, right? It was like, oh, he's too short. He's just going to go over the top of him. And DeRozan went over the top of Ariza, too. Like, I don't know, games like last night and the types of shots DeRozan, like, that's what DeRozan does. He's going to dribble to the, each elbow and then shoot a turnaround jumper. And, like, it's pretty much an unblockable shot. Yeah. So, I don't, like, he's either making it or he's not. Yeah. Can, can I just give some love to DeRozan? Please. Right here. Underrated player. We've always talked about like Mamba mentality and like I remember when the Lakers played the Blazers in the playoffs a couple of years ago, like in the bubble. And you had sort of said that Damian Lillard was the rightful heir to Kobe from a Mamba mentality standpoint, that there was really no other player who epitomized that idea more than him. And I think that there's truth there with that. DeMar DeRozan, though, he is an inheritor of Kobe Bryant's game. Right, yeah. like the, the functional footwork, footwork the mid-range magic that Stu likes to reference what he's talking about, a basketball player. DeRozan, left shoulder turn, right shoulder turn, fade, right? Like coming to the jump stop and, and just elevating over the top of you. It doesn't matter if you're in his space. He's just shooting it anyway. He is, he is excellent at the foul line. He is... a true three-level scorer 
this season too because he's been shooting the three ball a little bit more even though he didn't do that in Sunday's game he did that in the first game against the Lakers the one at Staples Center and he is just a marvelous offensive talent and he has continued to improve and continued to improve every single season and I know that people scoffed at the contract that he got from the Bulls, but I guarantee you they're happy to pay oh, yeah. what they're paying him now because he's going to be an all-star. And the way that he's been playing this season, he looks like an all-NBA player, at least third team and probably second team. I just wanted to give some love to DeMar DeRozan because Glad he's he a guy that during the offseason we had sort of talked about, hey, who might you want as like a guy? And I was and, <laughs> These, and, this was the text thread and never on yes. the pod. But yeah, DeRozan yeah. was certainly a, a topic. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, DeMar's kind of a guy I like. Yeah. I like this dude. And L.A. kid went to USC. Yeah. He's yeah. he's just another one of those guys like in that lineage of guys who we should appreciate more. But for some reason, we don't. But we should. Because he was a guy who fell out of favor for a while at the end of his time in Toronto. And then he's in San Antonio and people really probably weren't recognizing how good he was getting or even how much he was improving while in San Antonio. And now that he's on the Bulls, it's just like, oh, yeah, look, DeMar DeRozan, you're killing us. And 38 points both times against the Lakers and unstoppable down the stretch again. And he won them that game. He did. He did. And like, that's one of those things that's going to happen in the NBA is that that great players are going to have great games and shoot over the top of you or go around you. And to bring it back to Ariza, that's why seeing DeRozan cook THT, the, I think the thought process of the wings, quote unquote, on the on this team is that you've got Ariza kind of as the guy who, or I'm sorry, you've got THT as the guy with the long arms that can kind of win the the floor battles that can, you know, good, good hand up on a contest, but is really strong, can fight over screens. It's physically when he hits you with his body, he's going to knock you off your line. And then for taller guys that can go over the top of THT because he's too short, you've got Ariza with the long arms, right? And DeRozan was one of those guys that, and there's going to be a few of them that kind of kill the idea that like he's in that space between that neither guy really has yeah. enough to be able to defend him. But in theory, that's where you would want to have LeBron. And, right. Right. And the Lakers right. did have LeBron, but LeBron had to carry so much load. And, yeah, and that's going to be a function of the roster right now. Like, yeah. And, uh, and I think that brings us full circle back to the original point of this podcast, right? Like AD's out. He's out for at least a month, probably longer. Like, I mean, in theory, if he plays before the all-star break, that's probably a win. Right. Like, I know that that's two. That's basically two months away, but it's just like it's he's got an MCL sprain. They're going to be careful with him. Right. And I think the idea is, can the Lakers hover in this range and win enough games where it's like, OK, well, they are good enough to like be cautious with with AD and not rush, rush him back and not feel the urge to say, well, we're in 10th. Right. We need this dude because we're only a game out from being 12th because there's a world where that's the case, too. And it's funny. It feels like a year ago, but it really was just a week ago that the Lakers felt like, oh, man, the progress, the progress. They're getting closer. They're they're getting closer. I don't know what this team is ultimately, but we haven't had a game. We haven't had a 10 game stretch of not having like 50 plus rotation minutes, not on the floor at all since 
AD went down on on Valentine's Day. We had a little we had like four games at the end of last season where LeBron came back and then the first three of the playoffs before AD went down again. We've, you know, had massive injuries at the beginning of the season and then and LeBron being out of the lineup for a lot of it. And then we get, like you said, this this little stretch where it's like, OK, starting to make this progress. You know, we still got a couple guys that, that got to come back, but we're, you know, heading in the right direction. And it's been like whatever any team can be, they've got to be able to get their feet underneath them for an extended uh, stretch. And we talked about like the wave uh, and the building of something. It's, it's something that keeps getting interrupted. And until we can get our legs underneath us, it's really about survival in a lot of respects, just to, to get through it. And like you said, kind of where we are in the standings, I think will really determine where, where we go from here. What's just real quick in, in a broader sense, like what's your hope and expectation for this period of time without AD? Just and I say say this a lot, man, but this idea of togetherness and and mentally just trying to be there strong, right? There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to test the Lakers beyond the on court stuff, right? Like guys being in and out of the protocols and will he play? Won't won't he play? Did did he clear or did he not clear? That's all stuff that I think has been taxing the last seventy two hours or so, or very much, yeah, and um. It wouldn't surprise me if that was some of the fog that the Lakers were playing in against Minnesota, right? That was, I think, an especially stressful 30 hours that wrapped around that Minnesota game where it's just like, yes. oh, my God, OK, Russ is in. No. Or Russ is out. No, wait, he's in. Wait, Monk is in. No, he's out. And yep. guys can't travel with the team and or wait, they can. And all of that, I think, was super hard on them as as a group. And so. Over this next stretch, I think what I'm looking for more is can they sort of come together and show that they are just going to compete night night in and night out? I don't know, man. Like I thought LeBron showed a great amount of leadership against the Bulls just by basically he didn't have his greatest first shift at all. I thought his first quarter was actually sort of poor and he bounced back and was sort of just like, really no, did. no, no, like yeah. we're going to be in this right now. And so I think – as long as LeBron is available, as long as Russ is is available, those are the stars who right now are healthy and available to play. And I think their leadership is going to be more needed than than ever now, especially with Frank Vogel in the pro protocols as mm -hmm. well, right? That there's just a lot that's going on around the team right now. And that's when it's easy is to fracture and fray is when you're sort of being snipped at from all of these different angles, right? And all of these different perspectives, it's easy to then fall off from certain parts. And keeping that togetherness is sort of what I'm looking for most. How about you? I, that's that's beautifully said. And I just want to echo that even beyond the results. Like, I, you know, I'd like us to stay in shouting distance of the five seed that's been the in terms of a, a an objective goal something that i've i've circled that i hope we can get to is the five seed but like staying together and not fracturing i think is really important these are tough times and there's not like there's some that can be learned i think we can get 
a great deal of data and and observation on the LeBron at the five groups. They're going to have to play a lot, and we're going to see which versions of them work. Like there's a version where it's LeBron and Melo, but there's another with LeBron and Ariza. There's another with all three of them. That trio played a bit as we tried to slow down DeRozan unsuccessfully. Ariza got subbed back in toward the end of that game. There's going to be all these different versions and, and mixes and matches, and at the end of it, the role that Le- the LeBron at the five groups will hopefully play within a healthy Lakers team will be smaller, but we'll have a much clearer idea of when we go to that, what works and against who and why. And so making progress in that respect is um, is important from a basketball perspective. But there's going to be a lot of times, D, where that's not good enough. That's not going to win you a game where that's a LeBron right. at the five group is actually not the group that can beat this team, you will need to be big, but you just, especially during this period of guy, guys in health and safety protocols, you just don't have that player to go to. And I think that staying together through tough times, like you said, and being able to continue to continue the work, the chop could chop wood, carry water and stay focused on the small details even when it may not bear fruit right away, yeah. the the goal is that around February 1st or so, fingers crossed, we've got Kendrick Nunn back, we've got Anthony Davis back, and we've seen the bits and pieces of what this team is, and then they can kind of come together in, and form something bigger and better. Yeah, I don't want to sound naive or anything about what the Lakers future holds, but there's – until this team gets to like past the All-Star break, I feel like there's always time. I do too. There's always especially time. with the style of play. Um, it, it's not a yeah. We can get into into more of it later, but I, I do I do still think there's time. Yes. Another thing that I'm looking for in in uh, the short term is do the Lakers choose to fortify their roster? If so, what does that look like? And yeah. then we'll have more basketball stuff to talk about, right? Because to circle back to something we talked about at the beginning of the pod, it's been great to see Isaiah Thomas cook. A little bit. And I'll be interested to see if they maybe go after another big band to like maybe not have things be as taxing for yeah. for LeBron. I'd yeah. be interested to see if they go after another wing as just more insurance so they don't have to play lineups with Russ, Rondo, and Isaiah Thomas on the yeah. floor at the same same time. Yeah. Right. There's there's a lot of stuff that the Lakers could try to do over this next stretch of you know, a week, a week and a half, while you can, in theory, expect guys to remain in the protocols and miss games that the season clearly isn't going to stop. It's not going to go on pause. And as non-functional, to bring back another point from from the beginning of the pod that the league is right now, the league's going to continue in this shape that, yep. that, that it is. And so yep. how things look for the Lakers over the next week or so and what they do to add pieces to the roster here here or there that's definitely something that i'm i'm interested in and i think it's stuff that we're gonna be talking about here on the lfr pod yeah who knows what the team looks like in another four days we may be talking about another player playing big minutes down the stretch of a of a a laker game but you know as lakers try to just get through this stretch um we'll be here to discuss all of it here on the laker film room podcast Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot. The tie. 
NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.